0: Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. So I'm Baron Bremner, and this is our third episode of Joint Effort. And I'd like to welcome Devin Getz, who's one of our total joint specialists here. He's been here uh, for a long time. Prior to that, he grew up in Creston, Iowa, son of uh, the family doctor there, right? Yes. What was yeah. that like to knowing everything I mean he was everywhere in town probably taking care of everybody
1: yeah you know I grew up in Creston and uh, my dad delivered 2,000 babies there he was on call about every third or fourth night and um, so watching him work, uh, maybe no. I wanted to do a specialty
0: instead of sure. be a family doctor. But back then, did yeah. he do like things like little surgeries too? And he did like a that? little
1: bit small surgeries. The mm-hmm. general surgeons down there did partial hip replacements
0: and for fractures some and things like that? stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay, yep. Yep. yeah. Um, then you, you went to the University of Iowa. Yep. And uh, you did your uh, undergrad there. And? So I
1: did four years of undergrad mm-hmm. at the
0: University of Iowa. And in uh, animal biology
1: and then four years of medical school at the University of Iowa okay and then five years of
0: orthopedics at the University of Iowa okay uh, you may not know this but we I think we have something in common I went to Cornell College but yeah. it, I think we were both intramural wrestling champs our I freshman
1: was, year right I was I was too. more than freshman year I thought you then joined the team well I after my after I won the intramurals my freshman year at 125 pounds, they uh, all three of their 118 pound wrestlers at Iowa got injured all at once. Dan Glenn was one of them. Then Dan Glenn was the starter. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, he was three time
1: All American. Yep, yep, yep. And because they were all injured, Coach Gable asked me to come out onto the team for the Iowa State meet. And so I, I was I had to loo- I was weighing about 132 pounds and and it was. Uh, Monday, and he said, Can you get down to 118 by <laughs> Saturday? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, He just looked at me and turned around and said, Come to practice tomorrow.
0: So you hadn't been he, in practice before that? No. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Did so you wrestle then that weekend? I
1: wrestled. I worked out with them for four days. Got I got to suit up for the Iowa State match. And then Dan Glenn's knee got drained the day before. And he said, I think I can wrestle now. And so my whole career was shaking hands with the <laughs> Iowa State. Uh, wrestler and, and then I was done oh, uh, <laughs> that's good. so then then I rest, wrestled in intramurals so you, you went on the third. team then the rest of the time no but they let me work out with them whenever I wanted for the rest of my wow. college career what? and even when I was in medical school they'd let me come work out with them so that was a highlight well, of cool. my life yeah, yeah.
0: right yeah Do you, um, so then you trained at Harvard for jo- total joint replacements, which is um, some consider the leading joint replacement place in the world. But yeah. really, you and I know it's Mayo Clinic is the leading yes, joint yes. replacement yeah, where place you in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, today uh, what we're going to talk about is not exactly like hip and knee replacements and how they how they function and how what it's like to have surgery, but it's more the basics of the metals and the plastics and what, what has happened in the last 40 and 50 years. We want to talk about that. The audience today is, you know, it could be um, patients, it could be a medical student, it could be some family practice doctors. We'll try and keep it uh, approachable, but still a little more in-depth than maybe some people have thought about, about the uh, metal and plastic needs, et etc. Okay. Um, and then one thing that the audience will need to know is that sometimes we refer to the, these as replacements and sometimes arthroplasty and they're the same term really we just sometimes use the parlance uh, that we're used to which is arthroplasty so don't be thrown off by that um so can you take me back before you know before you your time before joints were done in Iowa what was going on like in 1950 somebody has a worn out hip or knee were they just relegated to a wheelchair for the rest of their life or what okay
1: yes so even before that way back in the 1800s they tried a variety of things, so like ivory. Mm-hmm. Uh, ivory kind of looks like cartilage. It's white and shiny and slick. And so uh, a variety of different surgeons back then, before we even had sterile technique or antibiotics, tried putting ivory into people's joints, mm-hmm. and it worked terribly. It didn't work. Uh, 1950s. Glass, I, I heard. Glass, I glass they tried, yep, too, or they, acrylic. Yep, yep, they tried glass cups over the hip. They tried mm-hmm. a, teflon. Mm-hmm. They tried acrylic. Pig, uh, how
0: about uh pig pig fasciolata so yeah like they use pig, used pig t- tissue
1: yep allograft tissues which means tissues coming from someone else or something else yeah. uh, xenografts from animals they they uh they tried that too and all how those things that were terrible yeah yeah infections and and loosening meaning mm-hmm. they didn't have any good way of fixing them to the bones i get sometimes in um
0: hip replacements they would just remove the joint right
1: right that's called a resection arthroplasty or a girdle stone arthroplasty and and that actually helps pain but it's terrible for function so it would take it away the like short it would take away yeah. the
0: grinding but yeah. uh, you really had a short leg and yeah limp short
1: unstable leg yeah. when you had a, a resection of your yeah. hip uh, and then in 1950s they had some hinge knee joints um uh, Waldius was one of them um, so just like a hinge with a pin in it? that it, it held the two pieces
0: together? And correct, yeah. Okay. And the
1: problem with those is they're bulky, and they and they didn't have good fixation methods to secure them to the bone. How did,
0: the, and how did they secure them to the bone?
1: They just, just made a hole and then tried to press fit them into okay. bone back then. That was before they had bone cement, which okay. we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, and then for hips, they had those things we talked about earlier, like yeah. cup arthroplasties, which is... You know the glass or the or the metal cups that just went over the ball of the hip.
0: Yeah, and a glass hip doesn't sound like it would work very well. It might shatter. Not very durable.
1: Yeah. Um, And then in the '60s, um, a guy named Sir John Charnley from from London, from England, uh, came up with a couple things. One was a, a, a hip prosthesis that was stainless steel against a plastic liner, and and he called it low friction arthroplasty. Mm-hmm. and that worked pretty well and he also figured out uh, how to use bone cement or methyl methacrylate which is a uh, like plexiglass and it uh and you can uh, uh mix it a powder with a liquid and then that will get hard over time so that you could grout the uh the uh, prosthesis into the bone they've been using that in dental
0: dental yeah. implants before that time Correct. and he figured that yeah. out okay yep
1: and so he he uh you know uh, Followed after the dentists, and, mm-hmm. and it worked mm-hmm. out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And that also that worked so well that it then inspired people to come up with total knee replacements. Also that that use cement. Okay. But the knee, the good quality total knees followed the good quality total hips.
0: Okay. Um, I I remember reading that the the balls were for the hips. You know, our normal balls are a few inches wide. These balls were very small that he was using, right?
1: Right, right. So your hip, you know, a normal ball might be forty-five millimeters or, or you know, a couple inches mm-hmm. in diameter, and these were twenty-two millimeters, so less, less than, than an half. Inch, yeah, yeah. And that's for the
0: friction to be low, correct? Right,
1: right. So the smaller the head against the old type of plastic,
0: uh, the less friction you had, and the less wear of the plastic. So when, um, really briefly, when did that start happening in the U.S. or in Iowa even? Yeah,
1: Iowa's really interesting because a guy who's our former partner, who Barron and I have both done research with, lots of research with, named uh, Dick Johnston, was the first one to have uh, the uh, the authorization to use methyl methacrylate in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was one of the first guys in the whole U.S. to do total hip replacement mm-hmm. using the Charlie prosthesis. And um, so we've got a publication, for example, um, uh, looking at his first 300 hip replacements that are now more than 45 years out That's uh, from
0: surgery. Yeah, uh, it's pretty neat that all that was taking place right in the Midwest. Right, right. Um, so then you know, let's say we go through the 70s, 80s. There was a lot of different shifts in designs and uh, different coatings and textures and things to get the to get the correct. Uh, geometry of the implants and to get the correct fixation. In the 90s, you started to see some changes, too, like with uh, cement techniques and um, maybe uncemented implants. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so let's just talk about hips, for example. If you look at the hip replacement, um, after Johnston's work and then the guy I trained with at, at Harvard named Bill Harris, both of those guys were leaders in cement technique and they went through these generations first second third generation cement techniques where you found better and better ways to to make the cement high quality you know mm-hmm. like getting the air out of it with vacuum mixing or mm-hmm. a centrifuge um how you injected it into the uh to the uh, bone under pressure mm-hmm. all of those things led to the to the third generation technique which was the uh the best um Uh, But the cement did have a limit in how long it could last. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to eventually fail Mm -hmm. uh, with enough uh, steps that the patient takes. Mm -hmm. And so there was, you know, like that study I talked about earlier, at 45 years after Dick Johnston's uh, hip replacement, two-thirds of them were still good, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to do better. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be able to have hip replacements that could last young people the rest of their life so people could have them when they're... 40 and 50 and Mm -hmm. that led to uncemented hip replacements okay and to do uncemented they had to change the metal because uh, uh, stainless steel and and uh, chromium cobalt which are cemented types of metals don't bond to the bone well so that led to chromium cobalt with porous coating on it and it led to titanium And it turns out titanium bonds to the to the bone
0: and titanium's got good flexibility somewhat like bone Correct. So it's a little bit more of a, a better material to a better go along with, yeah. with
1: bone. better match with bone. Yeah, the stiffer okay. the metal, the, the more stress there is at the... Uh,
0: so, like for a hip replacement, there's a, a stem that goes into the bone, mm-hmm. titanium usually, right? Yep. Uncemented. There's a ball of some kind, which we'll talk about in a second. What's the uh, cup made of on the, the metal cup that goes into the socket? So
1: most cups now are uncemented, mm-hmm. and the vast majority are made out of titanium. Okay. And that has a porous surface on mm-hmm. it. The pores are a specific size, like 300 microns in diameter, so that the bone is um, interested in growing
0: into it. Right. Right. And yeah. Um, Then uh, what we talk about is uh, you know bearing couples or bearing surfaces are the ball and for a hip at least is a ball and a socket. Correct. And um, the the typical ball and socket, like you said, is a a metal ball with a plastic socket. Correct. And tell us what they did about plastics to make it such a big difference in the last 10 20 years yeah so the
1: plastic we're talking about is uh, polyethylene mm-hmm. and uh, it started out as uh, they were using what's called hdp or high high density polyethylene
0: keep it uh <laughs> keep it uh, <laughs> simple simple so yeah yeah. We don't, yeah
1: yeah and so they've improved that by in a whole bunch of ways they've um, they improved the plastic by the way they prepared it with sterilization. They mm-hmm. sterilize it in a in a non-air environment so there's no oxygen.
0: Because the air used to make free radicals in the oxygen and it right. cause now problems. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they, everyone knows what, yeah. uh, free radicals, are, yeah, right? That's right. Sorry. Yeah,
1: so, yeah it, so oxidization is what you're talking about. So if the plastic oxidizes, uh, then it cracks and fails. And so by getting rid of the oxygen when you sterilize it, uh, that made the plastic last longer, mm-hmm. and then they've done another thing called cross-linking, mm-hmm. which and you can do that in a variety of ways. One of them was with radiation of different types, and uh, and that makes it tougher too. It mm-hmm. makes it more durable, and so, so uh, the stuff we have now is ten times more durable than what Dr. Johnston used mm-hmm. in 1960 and like i said two-thirds of those lasted 45 years so we're hoping yeah. the plastics we're doing now can last a young person their whole life that's what we're hoping
0: and a nice thing about the cross-linked plastic too is that uh because it wears so much better we can get away with larger heads and Correct. have less dislocations or the ball coming out of the socket at right. least in the hip the, May, do you think the jury's out still on these for uh, the new plastic, or do you think the new plastic is I better? I do.
1: I mean, I think it's going to sh- turn out to be better. Mm-hmm. But it's the follow-up is only in the five to ten to
0: fifteen-year range sure. on the. Sure. But so. we know, yeah, definitely for hips, the new plastic has made a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for um, there were some other things, you know, old ceramics, metal-on-metal uh, metal hips, people have talked about. But now, um, just briefly, tell me about ceramic balls, metal balls, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so the two two types of uh bearing surfaces that are used predominantly in total hip replacement are metal on plastic, metal on polyethylene, or ceramic on polyethylene. Uh and the advantage of ceramic is that it reduces the wear by about a third. Ceramic can be polished even smoother mm-hmm. to a microscopic mm-hmm. level than metal. Mm-hmm. And um Uh, The disadvantage of ceramic is a couple things one is there is a tiny risk It's very tiny now of it shattering. Mm -hmm. You know, it's less than one in ten thousand now What do you do
0: if it shatters?
1: Oh, then you have to redo the hip and wash out all the ceramic particles Mm -hmm. and and uh, Put another one in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that that's bad because those ceramic particles create an abrasive Mm -hmm. material in the hip Um,
0: And the other disadvantage is cost it's more expensive than metal. Okay um so, humans walk, I mean, more than this now, but at least five million cycles or steps a year, right? Correct, yeah. And so, what, uh, not talking about, like, infections and things like that that can happen rarely, but what are the modes of failure of these, of the hip and knee replacements? How can, regarding wear or loosening, really, what do you, yeah, how does that so happen? The, the, you know, at least
1: uh, in the past, the primary w- mode of failure was uh, wear, meaning, uh, plastic particles being shredded off the plastic and then released into the joint. That would lead to either loosening or this other thing called osteolysis. Osteolysis is where uh, the wear particles, the plastic debris, gets into the bone and then the body reacts to it by sending inflammatory cells Called macrophages, Mm -hmm. but they eat eat away the plastic, and and in the process of eating away the plastic, they eat away bone too. And
0: the loosening is just it comes debonds from either the cement or from either from the bone or the cement. Yeah,
1: so the metal separates from the bone. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: So what uh, what do you think is better now? Let's shift to total knee replacements. You know, what do you think is better about your total knee replacement now compared to ten years ago? And you can talk about metallurgy or plastics or design or anything like that what, yeah, what's changed the, in the last 10 years yeah there's, the a, there's
1: a number of things one is the quality of the plaques like we talked about earlier um, We it's made more cross linked so it's more durable and, mm-hmm. and that does have the downside of making it um, mechanically not as good mm-hmm. even though it's better against abrasion and direct contact it's not quite as good in terms of cracking theoretically but but early studies suggest that it's going to be better in every way. So the plastic should be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shapes of the implants are better too. There, you know, there's been able to use uh, uh, all these different techniques to create the implants so that they match uh, the way the knee moves mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than in the past. Uh, they use these, uh, you know, biomechanical techniques like thing called finite element modeling, where a computer can figure out how the how the implant should be
0: shaped uh and they have a lot more options for sizes right, now, right right
1: yeah you used to have four or five sizes now you might have ten and if you 12. put in a
0: big one in the ladies you might not it might right so you can or, make
1: narrow ones yeah. that fit women's mm-hmm. bone and wider ones that fit men's mm-hmm. bone and, and okay. uh yeah
0: and uh the cement is similar to 10 years ago or cement
1: cement's probably better too okay. um
0: uh, not as many advances
1: in cement because it was pretty good even in the past, mm-hmm. but but the way it's prepared is better, and, okay. and there's more variety in how long it lasts and how easy it is to work with. And,
0: yeah, good. Uh, what do you tell? You know, it's a. Everybody's got the internet, and uh, there's advertising. You know, in the U.S., the equipment manufacturers can advertise. You know, not all, all countries can they do that, but right, and so. They can really say whatever they want online or in mailers, et cetera, to the, our patients. What do you say to a patient who brings in, like, an ad and says, I've seen this implant, and I want this because I know it's supposed to last better than all the other implants. Right, I mean, right, yeah. What do you say you about know, that sort of scenario? The
1: first thing I tell them is that um, what I do for my myself or my family member is uh, is pick the surgeon. Mm-hmm. And then when I my parents have had joint replacements or my friends have had joint I, when they're gonna have surgery, I tell them, you know, you pick the surgeon and then let him tell you mm-hmm. what's the best. Um, and very often that surgeon has spent hundreds of hours studying all these mm-hmm. different advices like you might see on the internet compared to you spending a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, generally they have a good idea of what's gonna work the best. Right. And, and the other thing is there's they're, they're mostly equivalent. I mean, right. almost every company has a great implant now. And so uh, there's a lot to be said for what the surgeon is used to using. Right. And so they yeah. yeah. That's when you'll get into
0: trouble, I think, a little bit is if you make a surgeon use something they're not familiar with. Maybe they don't know the nuances of it uh, just because your friend had it done or whatever. They're all, like you said, they're all, I mean, they're all good. There's like a Chevy, a Ford. uh, I mean, there's not a Lamborghini. If there was one good implant that, and there's much better than the rest of them, we would all gravitate towards that. Right, right.
1: It'd be like me going to Tiger Woods and saying, hey, Tiger, I, I want you to use this. Yeah, this uh, golf club, right? You know,
0: right. sorry. Right. Uh. <clears throat> what do you see in the uh, future? I mean, maybe not fifty years, but what do you see in the next fifteen years that can make the longevity more? Yeah, and, and you can talk about anything here. Litch, if you want.
1: So, total knee replacement, I think, is heading toward uncemented. Total hip is almost universally uncemented. Ninety-nine percent of total hips done in this country are completely uncemented, so they bond to the bone for a permanent fixation. The knees haven't done that yet because uh, every time an uncemented total knee has been uh, designed, it hasn't uh, had the uh, low failure rate that the cemented knees had. But they're they're getting better at designing the implants. They're getting better at creating porous surfaces. So, so we got
0: great implant. The cemented stuff lasts awesome for 15 to 20 years for a knee. Right, right. And you're trying to get a knee that will last 30 yeah, or like 40 to be to years. but to put in
1: a young, active 45-year-old yeah. and have it last they're 85 so that, like, that's the goal
0: and so the new un-cemented knees, you knees might you be helpful
1: I, I'm hoping that they'll okay. turn out to be yeah
0: what else um, might help us in the future well
1: different ways of uh, polishing the surfaces of total knees for example should make them last longer mm-hmm. uh, there's computer uh, assisted total surgery where you use a, a robot or a computer to help you put the implants in It's uh, actually been shown to be helpful for partial knee replacements and not clearly better for total knee replacements in in a number of studies. So maybe that someday will will prove to to make us better. Um, And then a whole bunch of things with safety of the surgery, like, uh, um, you know, right now, we used to give um, a transfusion to about 25, 30, 45 percent of blood. Yeah. Yeah, to about Twenty-five to 50% of total knee patients. Now we give it to less than 1% because we have a drug that we give before and after the surgery that makes the blood clot mm. in a good way and sure. not clot in your veins and cause a blood clot. Yeah, yeah. so
0: there are a lot of uh, yep. medical advances, a lot of uh, anesthesia advances, yep. things like that that can help rapid recovery and help in, take care of infections and things like that. Um, like you said, using a computer to navigate things or a robot to help you can be helpful to make things more precise um, but in some studies it's shown not to make a difference in certain types of scenarios
1: and you mentioned infection that would be one of probably one of our biggest maybe our biggest problem in joint replacement now is the fact that maybe one in every 200 will get an infection Mm -hmm. pretty low rate Mm -hmm. primarily in people that have health problems like diabetes Uh, we'd like to be able to do knee replacements in people that are immunocompromised like they've had a liver or a kidney transplant people that have cancer people that have bad diabetes we'd be able, like to be able to do joint replacement in those patients too and not have them get an infection and yeah. and in the future I think we're gonna have implants maybe they'll call them smart implants or something that that can actually fight infection they, um, they might
0: elude out antibiotics or correct or uh, antibodies or something like that yeah oh, that'd be yeah. great yeah um, well, it's certainly, I, I know that I could talk to you about uh, tribology, which is like the, the bearing surfaces and what everything, you know, the modulus of elasticity and all these technical things for hours. You, you know a ton about this. Um, I think we scratched the surface pretty well on this for our listeners and our viewers. And um, uh, I really appreciate you coming in to talk to us on joint effort. And uh, uh, this is our third uh, podcast and uh, we'll be doing a lot more.